Hello, welcome to our third episode of the DMV Autocross Podcast. I'm Danny Kao. I'm Atta Tabesh. Thank you for joining us. Well, it's deep of the winter, and our next racing event is not for another week. Since we have no events to report and no event weather to forecast, we adjusted our format with a special segment for this episode. It is my pleasure to introduce you, Brian Garfield of the Washington D.C. SCCA Autocross School. Brian has been a part of the school as long as I've been autocrossing, and he's here to tell us all about it. Thank you, Brian, for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I think I know Brian for too long, so I'm going to yeah. be totally informal. <laughs> oh, yes, it's it's Brian. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you both have known me long enough. So, so Ad, have you yeah. been in any school? I have. One of the first events I ever did autocrossing was a school that Brian put on, and I had the most handsome instructor ever. His name was Greg Obadia, uh. and with the guidance. The masterful guidance of Brian and Greg, I've turned into the fantastic autocrosser you see before you. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> now, which which uh, lot was that on, Atta? It was one of the um, FedEx lots that okay. we did not use recently. So, so it, it was like... Uh, was it the small one, the H lot? H. Possibly H. Yeah, we did a lot of schools on the H lot yeah. when, we, when we transitioned to the... Uh, to FedEx Field at first. That's where we did schools. Mm -hmm. It was a smaller lot, similar to yeah. lots that we had done schools on in the past. But it was, but we were allowed to paint the course on that lot. So wow. that made it really easy to set up. We were set up in about 10 minutes every time we went there. So that's it was amazing. Good. That's yeah. amazing. So me too. You know, like one of my first autocross events, I went to the school and guess who my instructor was? It was Brian Garfield. <laughs> was so, he your actual instructor? Uh, he was, and then uh, he rolled with me for like five minutes, and he said, I had no hope, and then I went to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> the Mike Neri was my instructor. But, but, oh, nice. but, but here's the thing. So, you know, they confused me so bad that I had to return back like 16 more times. So, so I'm definitely the one that I tend to scoot the most. Dan that Danny right? was that definitely, right? I think for <laughs> at least at that time period, you were by far and away the most, uh, the most studious of students for those schools. I don't, I, I just, I think I brought your name up almost every school as somebody was here again. So you had, I know you did a lot of them. Yeah. I remember one year we had eight schools. I was a student for all eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we had a lot of school. Pardon we, me. we, we had some, uh, we had uh, a few years when we were doing weekday schools where we did, uh, anywhere between 16 and 18 schools in a season. So we, there were times when we had a lot of schools in one season. Oh yeah. No, that was, that, that was definitely a lot of fun. I definitely enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I don't know when uh, one of the – I can't remember how far back it's been now, but I did stop teaching at a certain point because I was teaching and trying to run the schools from the right yeah. seat, and it was, uh, it was not the most comfortable feeling when something was going wrong or somebody was you know, from the facility wanted to talk to me, and I'm sitting in the, the right seat of one of the students. So eventually I, I, I just became the director of the schools and, and, and hired instructors, obviously. But uh, they started. Um, they started in 2002. Um, the first schools, and they were at, they were at uh, Frederick Keys Stadium, okay. uh, which was very inexpensive to rent. We were there before we acquired FedEx Field as a lot. We were we were um, autocrossing it at uh, the Frederick Keys Stadium, and so I had we had the contacts there. So initially, we wanted just a small lot to run the schools on, and that's where we started. And that was. That was around 2002. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. That leads perfectly into my questions about, you know, when did it start? 
you've already answered it, yeah. and a little history about how it became the school it is today. So in Frederick, were you running it multiple times a year? Like what happened? How did that grow? So essentially, the, the quick background is that I joined the, the SCCA committee uh, in 2000. And at that time, it was still, I want to say, eight or nine clubs in the area. We had a Metropolitan, Metropolitan Washington Council of Sports Car Clubs. Uh, MWCSEC was the organization that, that was the whole of the entire region. And the SCCA at that time only had about three or four events a season. Uh, maybe five, and then all the clubs had events, and then you actually ran in a series that was a combination of all the clubs. So you would compete for the entire series while running with Porsche Club, uh, BMW Club, uh, Saab Club, the SCCA. Um, there was a couple of smaller clubs. Um, I can't remember the names right now, but you ran for an overall championship. And so we had a lot of local events at the time. We had I don't know, probably 25 local events back then or something something crazy like that. Um, that's, of course, the combination of all the clubs. But anyway, I got on the committee and um, uh, I was on it for a year or two. And nobody had been doing any schools since I had gotten on. And um, at the time, they said, does anybody want to run the schools? And I said, well, I'll do it. Um, and if I can be so blunt, I, I, said, I said, I'll do it, but I'm going to get paid for it because I'm going to do it on my, you know, my free time and it's going to be a large program. It's not going to just be one school at the beginning of the year. And I said, I'm going to get paid for it by the region. And so are, and so is every instructor that's going to be there and all the staff that's going to be there are going to get paid. And the reason I said that from the beginning was because I wanted to make sure that um, any instructor we had, we could keep, you know, that they wanted to keep coming back more than just once. The norm for a lot of school, a lot of clubs, and even now, uh, but it's certainly the club racing is, is to just do one school at the beginning of the season. And I knew that you were never going to get, you weren't going to have enough room for all the people in one school, especially since we were starting off on Frederick. So, um, so yeah, so we, so we wanted to do a kind of, kind of build a whole program. So, uh, so myself and, and some of the early instructors, uh, Lee Pacone, uh, Brian Burdett, um, my father, Craig, um, I'm trying to think who else was involved initially, uh, but there was a few of the, the, the original guard, if you will, from, from the SCCA and, and autocrossers Inc that were, uh, the, the first instructors and, um, the first schools I think were, I don't know, like 75 and a hundred dollars, maybe, maybe not even that, maybe 50 and $75 and, and, um, uh, uh, the school was, I think, 12 people for the level two and 15 or 16 for the level one. So, so yeah, so that's how it started at Frederick. That was the the initial start. Yeah, I remember my uh, one of my early schools, my instructors were uh, Brian Hare. And, uh, yep, Brian Hare and, was an early uh, and, one. And, yep. and Greg Olson. Yep, and wow. Greg Olson. Now, I didn't even meet Greg until um, a few years later after we had started the schools, but he came in. Um, and was quick, pretty fast. And, and I essentially picked my instructors based on the fact that they, they needed to be able to be relatively fast in order to prove the, the techniques that we were teaching and, and then also be able to drive different cars. But Greg was one of the early ones as well. Yeah. And I remember Marshall Cohn was one of the yep. earliest. Ones. Marshall yep. was early. Yeah, yep. Marshall. Yep. Yeah. And Marshall was, act he's been around, uh, aside from a couple of names. I mean, Marshall Cohn's probably one of the longest standing members of the SCCA in the region. 
as well as all the other clubs that are involved. In fact, I think uh, he was part of the Z Car Club. The, the you know Dotson Dotson Z Car Club was one of the car, uh, car clubs that was in that council of sports car clubs uh, when they, when when I first started, which was 1999. Um, so not that long ago, uh, long for a lot of people, but but in the world of autocross in this area, that wasn't that long ago. So yeah, you're talking a quarter century, Brian. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to seem younger than I am. Yeah, yeah It wasn't so, that long ago, back yeah. in the 1900s. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so of course, I attended enough schools that eventually, uh, you know, you and Craig, you know, basically said, oh, why don't you come in and, you yeah. know, you know, do become a starter or be safety and stuff. So, so I, so I actually started working for the school, yeah. gosh, 2000, 2009, 2010 or something yep. like that. Yep. And then, uh, so, and then I, been an instructor you know after that so it's been so all the way up know, until now so yeah, many until years i just too. fired you Ex- oh. <laughs> but, that, but that's okay that's how we fire alan claffy as a yeah. weatherman <laughs> oh my God. so yeah so, so, so as an instructor for many years now right so i knew the format of the school and it's very structured um, mm-hmm. Can you tell everybody what about you know about our you know our level one schools? Sure, uh, sure. What, yeah. what's, what the day is like for level one, and also so, what the day is like for level two. So mm-hmm. when we started the schools, the whole point was to have something to get people started with that was not too scary, um, and then the next level would be where you really work on the skills, and that's what the level two was right away out of the box. And um, but the level one is is essentially what I always describe as a get your feet wet kind of thing. Uh, it's to expose yourself to a format like an autocross, you know, with a, a course set up, and then you're going to work and um, and you get to meet people and and learn the positions um, and uh, and that's going to make you feel a little bit better about attending your first larger event, especially when we were at FedEx Field at the time, which our events were huge. Um, so I wanted to make sure that that the school, the level one particularly, was small enough. And again, it was only, you know, you know, fourteen or sixteen people um, to get people used to just being in that environment. And so that's essentially what the level one is. The level one is um, uh, to get people, introduce people to instructors and to you know, members of the of the autocross community that have been there a while, like the staff on the schools, and then. Um, um, you know, we, we give people a joy ride, get, you know, get them exposed to what they're going to see when they're out there just for fun. And then we teach them, um, you know, anything from um, uh, the work positions and safety and uh, how to prepare yourself and, and walking the course and, and, and that. Um, and then so that, you know, shortly after you get through a lot of that stuff, um, it, it, you start your driving and, uh, and we do quite a bit of driving. Usually, uh, it, you know, it depends on the day, but usually somewhere between 16 and 18 runs. Uh, on the on a full course, um, we used to do a lot more talking when I first started the level one schools. We sat down and we talked for about three hours because we tried to squeeze in classing and car setup and things like that. And you quickly realized that everybody wasn't able to retain that, nor did they want to sit through all that um, all that time. So so we try to keep things moving as quickly as possible and get that exposure to the course. And for some people, you know, their their instructors are already working on some skills. But there's no specific drills at the level one. It's again, it's just to get you out there uh, with an instructor uh, driving around, and then we sort of cut the cord towards the end of the course to make sure you can follow the course on your own and 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 maybe pick up a little bit of speed uh, with the intent of of enticing you to come back to a level two where you're going to really learn the uh, the two main skills of autocrossing. Um, so I'll just I'll just dovetail right into that, which is level two then works on on uh, two drills uh, and we did this i mean this started back in 2002 um, the original guys that i was mentioning helped develop the drills but it, it came down to two simple drills and that was a figure eight drill 
and a slalom drill. And the figure eight drill is to work on steady state turns and the slalom drill is your, your transitions. And that's really what makes up an entire autocross course is, is steady state turns and, and transitions. And, you know, every, every offset gate, every slalom gate is a, is a transition and, and every sweeping turn is, you know, your steady state or, or where you're going to, you're going to steer with the right foot, if you will, you know, on and off the throttle to, uh, to control it through the turns. So the level two, um, we work on those two drills. And then right after those two drills, we, we run a full course and you basically get an opportunity to apply what you've learned on those two drills to a full course. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit. I was joking earlier about saying that I was a fantastic autos crosser. I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who hasn't passed the level one school in the history of the <laughs> Every, everybody passes. Everybody well, passes the level one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the level two now. Maybe you don't oh, pass that okay. one. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so go back and tell us some student success stories. Are there any great students that come to mind, became fast drivers, maybe maybe went on to some regional or even national level autocrossers or, or any hopeless students. Like, let's be real. Let's, you know, expose them if you'd like. <laughs> so it's your time. <laughs> so it's funny. Um, you go back a bunch of, you know, a bunch of years for um, uh, the awards banquets and there's one awards banquet. Um, I want to say it would probably be around, excuse me, like uh, th 03, 04, somewhere in there. And I'm standing in a picture with uh, um, uh, Greg Obadia and uh, Jack, can't think of his last name right now. Used to drive an Evo. Um, Brennan. Uh, Brennan. What is it? Brennan. Jack. Jack Brennan. 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 Jack, Jack yeah. Brennan. Is that right? I, I can't remember now. I thought so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that might that might be who it was because you would know too. You had an Evo probably. When I he never was still met Jack running. Brennan. He moved. He moved somewhere to. Yeah. Midwest. Yeah. That's the right one. That's so. Yeah. So it was Greg Obadia and Jack Brennan in a picture with me, and the reason they're in the picture with me is they had both uh, attended schools the prior year or maybe this in a couple of the, the same year and both of them won the regional championships that year wow. so so that was sort of my first kind of success story and then and then shortly you know maybe a, a year or two later greg obedia uh, actually became an instructor with me so awesome. um so yeah so that would have been the one of the early ones but mo one of the most recent ones would probably would a name that came up earlier already was which was cody hunt um, and I, I don't know if I have the story exact, but I, I'm pretty sure Julian, my son was actually Cody's first instructor at the schools. And, uh, and of course now Cody is an instructor with us and also is, is been pretty successful on the national scene. So I'm not taking credit for that at all. I'm just saying that, that I, I'm pretty sure Take he, it. he started with our, with our region and, and, and our classes and then became an instructor. And now, um, he's, he's a, he's a top national driver. So, um. Uh, as far as ones that aren't successful, well, I don't remember them a whole lot because they usually oh. they usually don't take. Yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna mention names because I don't think honestly I don't think I can call anybody that I still remember that comes out all the time as as unsuccessful with autocross. But there's so you're that, admitting Danny and I are successful. Uh, you're saying I, yeah, it yeah, yeah, on was, air. I would say that uh, I don't know about you, Atta, but uh, but Danny is uh, Dan, <laughs> Danny. Successful. I would consider yeah, Danny is. <laughs> Danny has has traveled the least amount for the most amount of time put in, but uh, um, but he has been successful. So and I don't know what uh, that means, but I yeah. love it. It just means he it took him a really long time to get fast. Actually, but he's fast. Actually, actually, Brian, you missed three most successful students. Okay, three. Lay one, on of me. course. Number one, of course, is me. Yeah, the most successful. <laughs> number two, of course, is Ada. Yeah, of course, yeah. right. Number three 
Number three. Is Jackie Ding, the internet sensation, super duper time trialist? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He came out, he came out for a school. I probably, I don't remember. I'm guessing it was a level two school. I can't recall. Or maybe the weekend he was there for the level one and two, probably. Cause a lot of people do them back to back. And I'm pretty sure he probably would have done that. Yeah. So, uh, so, 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 you know how the motor got exploded, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which right. he made a video. So now his car, he's, he's modifying his 80, E80, E86 now. Right. Yeah. With a K24 swap and then the nice. whole bits. Yeah. Nice. So Good choice. Wanna, yeah. Good so choice. if you want to follow on what's, what he's doing and what he's up to and you know, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Awesome. So, um, just to wrap this up, can you, um, tell us a little bit about the school schedule for this year? Sure. So and then, uh, when will registration what? be available? Um, April 6th and 7th. We always try to avoid March if we can, because the weather can be unpredictable. Right. So it's always, we always try to get in the beginning of April or, or maybe the second weekend of April. So it's April 6th and 7th is a level one on the 6th and a level two on the 7th. And then we have a test and tune on, on April 20th. And those are the, the, the main ones that I, that I push in the beginning, uh, you know, cause most people want to get out there and, and do a school before the season starts or relatively close to the beginning of the season. Um, We've got a level two on May 11th. Um, and then we have a level one and level two on July 13th and 14th in that mm. order. So always level one, level two. Um, and then and then I always try to squeeze in a test and tune sometimes shortly before nationals, which is the, you know, historically the, the end of August, beginning of September. Um, so we've got a test and tune on August 10th. I'll yeah, this, yeah. So way. registration should be open somewhere around now. So, so uh, make sure you get in there because they will fill fast. Um, and then uh, we try to get a level two in after we get through the first three because the level twos are so popular. Right. So, can we cover just briefly what the test and tune is going to be like? Sure. So the the test and tune is a format we worked on for many years, but the the general idea is just to get a lot of runs with with a an optional instructor, um, and it's uh, it's. 14 half hour segments that are, um, and you pick which four you want to work two in the morning and two in the afternoon. And the rest of them are open for you to do with whatever you want, whether you're tuning your car, whether you're driving, whether you're resting or going to get a bite to eat, doesn't matter as long as they're not your work assignments. So, um, so that's, that's how the test and tunes work. And, um, uh, you know, Danny has famously, uh, I don't remember if we ever had the exact numbers, but I know we've been over 50 runs before, even at, at FedEx field, you had uh, wow. something in that range when, if you just run every time you get a chance and not everybody chooses to do that. And not everybody has the tires for it uh, because you will burn through a lot of tires. And that is important, by the way, come into a test and tune. You need to make sure you have plenty of tire because if you don't, you're done. You know, you cord the tires, it's over. So you want to make sure you've got plenty of tire that can handle the whole day. Um, sometimes it's nice to even have it be a little damp in the morning to, to not burn through tires quite as quickly. Yeah. I remember I took 50 plus runs and I, I burned up the whole set of uh, like REO ones or something right. back, in your, back in early days. Right. right. Yeah. No, now, no, we've no, had no. lots of people go through their tires at a test and tune cause it's a lot of runs, but, um, but yeah, I think the, the format works really well. It gives you a little bit of freedom to pick when you work and, uh, and you know, uh, guys like, uh, Brian Carwin, actually tuned like spend a lot of time tuning mm -hmm. so you know they can you know they can maybe ditch a half hour session to do a complete suspension change of some sort that takes a little more time or even you know some some ecu tuning i'm pretty yeah. sure the sway bars are instantaneous you could do those right yeah between runs though yes maybe, that's true that's a, that's about 30 seconds <laughs>
Yep. Yeah. If that. Yep. Yeah. Don't yeah. remember when Brian Carwin mentioned, uh, you know, adjusting sway bars, always use 9 16th, not 14 millimeters. Yeah. 100% 9 16th. Yep. Even though they're the same, but he will argue forever and tell you that they're, they're not the same. same. Yeah. They're not the same. He told me. He told me once in 12, po- 12 point. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for joining you're, us today. It's been an honor welcome. and a pleasure. A, and I hope everyone, this gives everyone a very in depth look at the DC Region Autocross School. Great, well, thanks for thank having me. Thank you so me. much, Brian. Yeah, yeah, thank you. For our Meet a New Autocross Friend segment, I'm happy to introduce you to the person largely responsible for this podcast. He forced me and Ada to join the DMV Autocross Facebook group, as well as many other autocrossers into joining. So much so that there are now many beautiful young women who want to join the group, and our moderator, Josh, has to reject and ban them every day. Right. Here's our autocross friend to explain this phenomenon, Mike Brown. That's, uh, Dan, you're talking about the, the scammers, right? With those pictures, I, profile pictures. I don't know. Maybe that's, they're all here because of Mike. Okay. They're not, they're not here because of me or you. <laughs> I can tell you that yeah. much. I feel like I invited a few people and it just started this snowball rolling. And suddenly there's a thousand people in this group now. It's great. Sure. Actually, Josh had to ban so many, um, and then uh, it could be 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm going I'm, I'm to assume they're all here because of Mike. And all not, the pretty not ladies. Me. Yeah, Definitely not me. Ladies. Yeah. yeah, definitely not All me. the old guys are here because of you, Danny. That's no. <laughs> no. I, 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 know, I know if Norm Flowers or, or Pat Gaffney is watching me, Mm-hmm. It's, be, it's because of me because they're really really old but yeah that's what that, i said all the old guys are here because of you yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they, can, they, they finally have somebody to bond with like me oh no no they're not old they're seasoned they're seasoned, seasoned. okay yeah. seasoned yeah. you know it's a yeah. nice better way of well they're seasoned i think i'm done i think that's you're not done you're not done you're like a medium done. well you're yeah, a medium well. medium well okay okay fine <laughs> fine <laughs> all right sorry mike Yep. Sorry. Hi, Mike. Welcome. Um, so uh, you are one of our, our closest autocross friends. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to get right into the Miata questions, right? Okay. You've owned a couple of Miatas, all right? I have. Right off the bat, what makes them stand out as an exceptional vehicle to you? Would you recommend them? Talk a little about Miatas real quick. This is an autocross podcast. Everyone knew it was coming. We just talked Miata. All right. Well, I'll say the number one thing is just the balance and being rear-wheel drive, right? So if you see this car back here, this silver Jetta wagon is what I started yeah. autocrossing with. Did all kinds of things to make it handle better. And then I drove a Miata and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time <laughs> with this Jetta. <laughs> so um, I bought a 2010 Miata, already set up for STR, which was kind of the, the class at the time. And I was just amazed at how well it handled, how well it turned. Uh, just how composed it felt at the at the limit and the lack of understeer is a big thing. I think Danny mentioned something about the first thing he tries to do for cars is to make them turn. And the Miata just turns like right out of the box and turns even better when you put coilovers and good suspension on there. So that's what's really appealing to me. And then, um, <laughs> you know, I've had a couple of Miatas. Both have been the third gen, the NC Miata. And I think that just comes down to the sizing. Like, I can't, I'm not a tall guy, but I have like a tall torso. And uh, the NC Miata has more room inside than the others, and just fits me really well. And yeah. So I've had kind of like that sweatshirt. Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fantastic. Yeah. So, Mike, when I first met you, you were like me, a regular autocrosser who would show up and 
give thumbs up and mm -hmm. smile and, and race around. Then I started noticing you wearing a red shirt and I started noticing you volunteering <laughs> a little bit. So can you tell yeah. a little bit about uh, what led you to volunteering and if that's a path that others can kind of uh, get involved in if they want to? Sure. Uh, it's, it's definitely something that is available to anyone who's interested in helping out. Um, just come and talk to some of the staff at one of the events, drop me an email, um, drop Tom or Ryan an email. But I would say that really it was kind of a COVID thing, um, an after effect of COVID that got me involved, right? Um, COVID was like that big reset. Everybody's schedule changed. Everybody had a blank slate to start from. Um, and so autocross started picking back up maybe more than some other activities mm -hmm. because we're yep. all in it's our outdoor, cars, right. we're outdoors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I'm hearing from the staff, like they're doing some announcements like, hey, we're looking for additional help. Anybody interested in helping out, mm -hmm. come talk to us. And I was like, you know, I've kind of got like a blank slate on my schedule. I could probably contribute some more time towards this. And I've had a lot of fun doing this the last five years. Um, and I want to make sure it keeps going, right? It kind of seemed like things were getting a little tenuous, like with enough mm -hmm. people helping out or not helping out. Um, yeah. So I wanted to make sure things kept rolling. And so I stepped up and like the first year, I was just helping out with tech inspections and doing, you know, helping notify people of their work assignments and things like that. And then I made the mistake of volunteering to like be the worker chief. Because <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, I'll just, you know, be the person yep. people come talk to and you know, I'll tell them where they go to do their work assignment. No, no, worker chief meant like assigning everyone, <laughs> splitting the heats to make sure they're balanced. Yeah. Um, so it's a couple hours of, of work, like a couple days before the event. Um, but it really helps things run smoothly. And, um, you know, it just comes back to like, I'm happy when other people are happy. And so when I see people out there having fun and we're running a smooth event and I had a little something to do with that, it feels good. Yeah, that's fantastic. And thanks to people like yourself, Thanks to you, thanks to people just like you across all the different organizations, people like me and Danny can just show up and have fun. So thank you so much. Right. Thank you to every volunteer for every organization. We know it's a, it's, it's a hard job, you know? It's, uh, it's yeah. hard to please everyone and keep these events rolling smoothly. So thank you and thank, uh, thank everyone like you. Um, and now onto the hard question, okay? Mm -hmm. This is serious, real talk. Why do you have so much plastic on your car and could you possibly add more? You have the most plastic mm -hmm. of any car I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, um, thank you for noticing, number one. <laughs> I, I feel like it's a style choice, and not yeah. everyone appreciates it. <laughs> but, uh, I've seen no, you the... take on and off plastic before a run before. <laughs> like, I've seen you take off plastic pieces from your car yes. before a run. Yes. Yep. So you might notice um, there's plastic covers over the hood vents on my Miata, and that's really like a nice kind of like quality of life enhancement that the uh, the previous owner and uh, design engineer came up with. Mm. Uh, I think he goes under a brand name, Kaoseps. Kaoseps, uh, okay, that's, that's but, unfortunate. Yeah, he did that to make yeah. sure that the car was comfortable to drive on the road uh, right. to and from events. And, and, it and, it's, and it's, it's modular, like you out. could detach it at oh, yeah, will? Yeah, just, and just, yeah. Zip, zip, zip. Like yep. un undo a couple of bolts, pull those plastic covers off, <laughs> and then better airflow, better aero too. <laughs> I want you guys to know something. I hate to interrupt this uh, you know, <laughs> this interview here. So I came up with that design because Alan Claffey and I were, <laughs> were at a autocross in Boston or north of Boston, right, Whoa. when he went back to visit. So th there's a site called Devon's, and it's right at a police training academy. And then 
right over there, there's a, there's a sound limit. So the loudest sound cannot exceed 93 dB mm-hmm. or else they throw you out immediately. Oh. Right? So I drove Mike's current car now after I put it on the supercharger with the hood thing open and then I tripped the sound. They threw me out, not because of my exhaust. It's because of my supercharger. Your <laughs> engine, engine coming out the engine bay. That's right. The, 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 sh- the switching sound exceeded 75 dB 50 feet away. So they threw me out. Ouch. Right? So therefore, I went to Home Depot. I bought a large sheet of Lexan. I cut everything together and I, and, I, and I made the provisions on the existing hood bands to actually put the thing over. Right? Did and you say, what did you say you bought from I, the Home Depot? They're Lexan, not plastic. It's, it's not plastic? You're telling no, me that that's it, not plastic. It's, it's Lexan. Lexan. You're, you're, you're looking me dead in the eye and you're yes. telling me that plastic Lex on his car is not and. plastic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. It's high performance the, the, plastic. The, the only reason I'm taking off so much time at this is, is right now, if you go to Varus Engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Just go look at their ND catalog. They mm-hmm. made a hood van. Right. They also mm-hmm. took two pieces of Lexan to no cover way. on top of their thing, and they sell them for over a hundred bucks. No way! Yes. I, oh my! They goodness. stole my idea. They stole your idea. That's what it sounds like. That's wow! Right. I made that wow. thing three years ago. The gauntlet has been thrown. That's right. Boom. <laughs> you should probably get royalties. I feel like that's Definitely. how that works, right? Exactly. Royalties come. Yeah, exactly. A free wang. <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> No, you're, you're no, great. That's great. That's a little tidbit of history. I did not know that's right. about the car. That's <laughs> awesome. That's great. That's great. Uh, well, Mike, before we uh, finish this, is there anything you'd like to say or shout out as our new autocross friend? Uh, I'm just excited to be on the podcast. I'm excited that you guys are doing this podcast. I've really enjoyed episode zero and episode one. Looking forward to this one and the future episodes because autocross is a lot of fun and we're in such kind of like a broad community a lot of different clubs in the dc area which is great and i think it's exciting that there's that connection right this is one of those connecting pieces between the different clubs and the different groups participating we're we're trying to connect everyone and we're trying to share information that's accurate and in a fun way so that's our goal yeah right on all right and thank you so much mike for gracing our podcast by the way, if this whole podcast thing fails, please remember it's all Mike's fault because he's the one that got us to do this. Thank 100%. you again, Mike. <laughs> You're welcome. You're all right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay. This concludes our regular programming. Everybody can be excused now, except for the novices. Our novice meeting starts now. For this novice meeting, we are going to continue our discussion for now. You are at the event. What do you do? All right, so um, you know we 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 got hold of Brian. We didn't let him go, yeah. right? So uh, so so now you have you have three people with a combined expertise of probably a hundred years of autocrossing, right? It yeah, would be minimum eighteen years for me, twelve years for Ada, seventy years for Brian. So yeah. I was going to say, I don't know how you easy. got to that hundred. Hey, look, I'm, uh, yeah, we're I'm, so I'm good at math. Asian guy I can do math. That's what. I'm, oh wow, yeah, that's the only thing I can do. Okay. Right. <laughs> it must be right then. Yeah. So I don't, must be, don't even is, question it. it. Right. I must. <laughs> that makes me it. about a hundred years old. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> you start autocrossing, autocrossing when you're 71. So no, just kidding. Yeah. All right. Okay. Great. Awesome. So so now um, the yeah. previous two segments that we talked about, um, you know, for the novice meetings, we talked about how do you register for um, yep. the events, and then we talk about what we have to bring, you know, at home, right? So now you're finally on site, right? So, um, yeah. so this is going to apply to all the sites, but 
But let's talk about a generic site or in uh, Summit Point Raceway, right? Because it's a little sure. bit different. So, um, so I, can, I can start sharing first. So when you arrive at Summit Point, um, you're going to have to sign a waiver at the gate, right? And at the gate, once you signed your waiver, you have to tell them which organizations you're from and then you know, be a little precise because there could be three, four different organizations running at Summit Point at the same time. So, so mention right. to be clear, the reason you're mentioning Summit Point is because you enter a, a big facility that has a gate and then when you enter your, your club's event, you might have somebody else asking you to sign something Correct. at that specific yes. event. Yes, so, exactly. so there are definitely two waivers you have to sign at some point, but for most of the other locations, it will most likely will be a single waiver for whatever that location is, right? So once you signed your waiver at some point or at any place, you're gonna drive on to the event, and then some events you have to sign a waiver as you enter the gate, and then some events you, you signed your waiver at registration. Right. So, but the but the next important thing is is you get there and find a place to park, right? And that's what we call a um, um, a paddock, right? So you find a paddock space, park your car, right? And Ada, what do we do next? Right off the bat, I like to get out of the car and start prepping it for racing. And what that means for me is I put my my painter's tape and I'll write my numbers on the side and I'll take everything out of the car or if I have magnets, which I used to have magnets on the S2000, I would put the magnets on the side of the car and I would start taking everything out of the car. That's the first thing I do after a couple of bro hugs and, you know, a couple of like little butt squeezes and, and stuff like that and the normal stuff. Uh, you know, act like you don't know. And uh, so you say hi, but you yeah. want to get ready to register at tech. Right. I think, so that's I think the that's first important. Thing I, I think that's important to mention too is is the fact that you get that stuff out of the way. Yeah. Because because it's because especially I mean you're new if you're new maybe you don't quite have that community yet that you that you're going to have. Yeah. But but as you get more and more established you're going to have all these people that you're going to want to say hi to and it's going to be yeah. so great to see people. So I think it's really important that you mention that let, let's just get that stuff out of the way. Make yeah. sure you're set and then and then and you got the car ready. Yeah. Because you don't want to be that guy holding up line or late to registration, late to tech. You want to do those things immediately so you can have fun the whole rest of the day. Exactly. So I even take out everything. So like at my house, I leave my uh, floor mats at my house, but like everything that I bring to the race, like my the stuff we talked about last novice meeting, like the air pressure gauge and all of the other uh, tools, like if, if you wanted to bring a few tools for some adjustments or whatever, everything comes out of the car, the numbers go on the car, the helmet's ready to be teched, and then you uh, figure out where tech is, right? Usually you'll be able to tell there'll be um, a line of cars or some really handsome looking tech people that are standing around. Usually you'll be able to tell. And if you can't tell, it's okay to ask, hey, where's tech? Hey, where's registration? Everybody around you. Yeah, everybody's gonna help you. Somebody else in the paddock spot next to you or or wherever you can ask somebody. Most people are gonna be very willing to help uh, a first timer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, then uh, and of course at the same time, once you unload everything off your car, you gotta think about where it's gonna go. So if you don't have one of those split plastic bins that can hold everything, remember the the advice that we come up with and bring a huge trash bag, that's the time you put everything in that trash bag. Right, because yeah. if you don't, two things will happen. If it rains, everything will get wet. Right, and then, Gross. and I'll give you some special tips. Right, in some of the sites, oh, oh, oh Danny, special in, in tips. Some, in, at some of the sites, even though it's all asphalt, right, there will be some kind of red mites will be popping off the ground and then mm-hmm. crawling all over the place. Bugs, right? yeah. There could be some bugs and and you know mm-hmm. par- parasites or whatever. So yep. make sure that everything is in a 
everything is tied in. And when you leave, make sure you, when you pick up your stuff and, and just go look at the bottom and wipe all that stuff off. So otherwise, you'd bring all that stuff home, yeah. right? So, Danny, you just reminded me, uh, last event, I found uh, Tyler's two tire blankets because they had blown away. They had just mm-hmm. blown away. They were like yeah. a half mile away from where his car was, and I found yeah. them, and I, and I walked them over. So if you have something that might blow away, please, you know, Keep that under wraps as well. Let me jump back real quick too. You started to say something before Atta about, um, and I know you guys touched on this stuff before, but but don't bring the things that you that you don't need. Yes, yeah. that's just more stuff you 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 have to put in the bag, yeah. right? You yeah. you said, oh, I leave certain things at home. Yeah, I do. there's no reason to have it. There's no reason to have it at the event. Don't bring it because it's just more stuff that you gotta that you gotta protect with that bag or that bin or whatever. And you can maybe carry a smaller bin because of it, mm-hmm. and it's gonna fly away. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, there yep. will be. All right. So the next thing we're going to do, we're going to talk about is, is that we need to head out to registration. Right. Yeah. So there, there, there are a few events like the Washington, D.C. region events. They will kind of they would streamline and put registration and tech together. Right. And, and, and so are the, uh, the PCA Potomac events. But there are definitely other events. Uh, I would say uh, the Mercedes events um, and the, uh, the PCA Chesapeake events. Uh, in the BMW events, they, they, the registration and tech are separate, right? So, so I would definitely recommend once you got everything ready, make sure you have plenty of time, go to registration, and then a majority of the registration, um, um, you know, registrars or the person that's taking you in and checking you in, most likely will ask for some form of, of identification, right? Since everybody already registered and paid online. And then, and, then, and then just follow their instructions on what to do. They usually tell you what your work assignment is and all of that stuff with some groups. And then some groups will give you work assignments a little bit later. Um, like, I, I, I want to mention that, that you know, as all this is going on, that some clubs have somebody who is dedicated for novices. Uh, for Just for this moment, when you arrive and you don't know what's going on or you're having trouble, ask if there's somebody there for novices. Um, and if there, and if there isn't, even still, make sure you tell people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always told novices, it, don't be afraid to tell people I don't know what I'm doing, because mm-hmm. people will be glad to help you. Um, you know, we could get into that later about what you do as you pull up to the course and things like that. But the point is, letting people know you're a novice is a good thing. Nobody's going to have a problem with it, and they're all going to be much more willing to to help you. So, mm-hmm. if you're not sure how the club does that that registration in tech, whether it's together or separate, or you know what times it happens and that sort of thing, just ask and just to say, "I'm new here. I've never done it before," or "This is only my second time. I don't remember," or "First time with this club." That's that's really important to to let people know where you stand, so they can they know how much they can help you all right so um one of the things that we're going to do after registration is is going to tech now this is the time that you have to jump in your car and basically drive your car to the tech inspection line and believe it or not this is how we're going to end our this episode so our in our yep. next novice meeting we're going to start talking about tech inspection and then you know what's needed to go to tech inspection and that's probably something that you have to do a little bit of work at home first making sure that certain things are done correctly. So, so instead of running into that for this particular episode, we're going to move to the next episode, and we're going to talk about how to pass tech inspection. All right? Danny, can we bring, like, a mechanical friend on for that? Mechanical friend? You mean, like, Brian? Anyone who's mechanical, yeah. Then that's not Brian. <laughs> that's not Brian. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. We, we, can, we can laugh and joke because I feel like the three of us combined to almost make a mechanical person. Almost. Yeah. I would, I would say that's I would say that's legitimate yeah. 
more yeah. you and more you and Danny than more me. Danny. I, no, I, 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 I'm mad. You're a Kenick, and then um, and then Brian's nickel. No, <laughs> you're mechanical. All three of us. Oh, oh um, my God, that's what you were trying. That's to. weak. <laughs> I just tell I just tell people I'm cold trickle. Oh, yeah, all right. I'm just a driver. <laughs> all right. So on that note, this wrap of our third episode of the DMV Autocross Podcast. Thank you for spending the last it. half an hour plus a little bit more with us. And thank you for our thank you to your our special guest Brian. Special guest. You know, we again hope you find this uh, you know a podcast informative and fun. And don't forget to join us for the next episode. Until then, keep those tires on the track and that wing in the back. All right. See you next time.